let's sing together a couple of hymns. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. And we'll sing all the hymns. Just keeping our seats.
I don't think we've ever sung it here, but I know that many of you should know it tonight. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave a son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Who, who knows the hymn? A good few. So we should be able to make a great effort first time. Keep in our seats. <clears throat> Sing it out now.
good effort for the first time. You'll know this one well, 304. We're never, never weary of the grand old song, Glory to God, Hallelujah. We can sing it loud as ever with our faith more strong, Glory to God, Hallelujah. Oh, the children of the Lord have a right to shout and sing. Let's all stand to sing. Be seated. 
just returning from the, the Sunday school camp this evening. I want to thank all that came. This is the, the group. We managed to get one photograph squeezed into tonight's PowerPoint. We'll give a better report later. But if you've been following all the video updates that have been sent out on the announcement group and shared on social media, you will have seen uh, a summary of what happened every day, Friday, Saturday, and uh, we've yet to share some little thing about this morning. So here's the group, here's the workers. Can I thank the, the workers who came and looked after these children and did a splendid job, gave up of their time, gave up of their talents, gave up of their sleep. Uh, we know that, but it was good. At the end of the two and a half days, we can say the Lord was good. And these children, they heard the word, they had lots of activities, lots of fun together, but every day, several times a day, they sat beneath the sound of the gospel. So there is an excuse if you were on this trip, if you're feeling kind of tired tonight, I don't know whether there's any matchsticks in the kitchen or not that you could borrow uh, just to keep your eyes open. But if you have one of these workers sitting beside you and they begin to get a little bit sleepy in the service tonight, just, just give them a little gentle nudge and waken them up because I know they're feeling tired even our photographer, who's pretty young, he shared all the photographs of the Sunday school trip, Sunday school camp, 2013. You're working that out, aren't you? That was 10 years ago, uh, but it was actually 2023. Let's bow together, seek the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, in the worthy name of your dear Son, we bow together here in the house of God at Hebron, as we come and worship before your holy presence. We come in the all-precious and exalted name of thy dear Son, thy beloved, who sits supremely at your right hand in heaven in glory this very night. We thank you for the one who is appointed to be the Redeemer, the Mediator, the Intercessor, the one who pleads for us in heaven the one who brings our prayers to the very throne through his own merit, and the one through whom our prayers are made perfect, because we are imperfect men, and our prayers are most imperfect. But the one, the Spirit of God, who reads our thoughts, knows, Lord, the burdens that we carry, and knows how we, we desire to express ourselves, he brings those prayers to the throne. And through the mediation of the Spirit, through the representation of Christ who pleads with us, Lord, we're glad that we are accepted, and we're glad that our prayers are accepted too. Lord, through the blood of the Lamb that was slain, we know that there's cleansing for us. And we pray even now at the beginning of this service that we might know the fresh application of the blood of the Redeemer to take away our sin. We want clean hands. We want pure hearts as we sing together the hymns, as we pray, as we read your word later, <clears throat> as we come to, to preach the word tonight, Lord, we pray that thou will help us, that the Spirit of God will be the chief minister here. He's the one that is given to be the teacher, the instructor. Jesus told us that when he would return to glory to the right hand of the Father, he would send another comforter who would be the comforter, who would be the guide, the teacher, 
We know that a great part of his ministry was, is to reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we pray that we'll feel something of that tonight in this meeting. For those who know not the Lord and perhaps even listening in tonight on the internet who are strangers to your grace, that the Spirit of God will work in them this mighty work of reproving, of convincing. Bring them to see their sin. Bring them, O oh Lord, to, to see their undoneness before God. That they need the righteousness of Christ as a covering. Bring them to see that there is not only a future judgment, but there was the judgment of Christ upon the cross when he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And Lord, may their attention be turned Christward and heavenward. May they fix their eyes upon the Redeemer who was able to save them to the uttermost. And when they come to trust in him, Spirit of God, work, we pray. Remember your people. Remember each one of us, Lord, saved by your sovereign grace. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Lord to come by the Spirit and minister to our hearts also. And so prepare each one for the hearing of divine truth tonight and speak to every waiting heart. We look back over the weekend. We give thanks for answered prayer, bringing the children to Malile and back safely again for the time that was spent with them, keeping them safe in the activities. But Lord, also for the blessing just to sit beneath your word and open up the scriptures to them. And so we pray that every message that was brought, every text that was learned, every truth that was expressed in word and song will find its way into the hearts of these children and do a work for time and eternity. Lord, we cover them for thee. We pray that everyone will come to know the Savior. Thank thee for those that are saved among them and even testimony that was born this morning at the end of our service those that were willing to say, here's the day when the Lord saved me as a child when I trusted in him. We do remember this congregation. We remember all of our churches tonight as we, we meet like this for the hearing of your word. We pray that throughout the length and breadth of the United Kingdom that the Lord will bless his word in every faithful pulpit, every faithful preacher. Lord, may Christ be exalted. May much be made of him and may sinners be drawn. For the promise is that when Christ is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. May this be done. Remember, Sister Dorothy in hospital, we do commit her into your care again. We pray that you'll touch her, that you'll ease any pain, distress, and sickness. We pray that you'll put your healing hand upon her for good. Hear and answer these are prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen. 157, Day of Judgment, Day of Wonders. Hark, the trumpet's awful sound. Louder than a thousand thunders shakes the vast creation round. How the summons will the sinner's heart confound. Let's sing it together. <clears throat> Let's stand to sing.
welcome tonight to the, the gospel meeting. Very glad to hear reports of our brother Chris being with you this morning, preaching the word. And uh, I know that you were blessed. Good to see a fair number at the open air this afternoon. And um, we trust that the word that was preached today in our town will be a blessing to those that pass by or maybe sat in their home and listened to God's word. If you're part of the service tonight on the internet, we bid you welcome. And if you're a visitor tonight, we also bid you welcome. And um, we just want to let you know that refreshments will be served. We're always glad that our own people and any visitor here can stay and have a cup of tea together, if we so desire, and a time of fellowship just here in the fellowship area. So please, please don't go away. I think it was mentioned this morning, but, but Luke and Hannah, something happened in their lives that has changed their future, probably. And that is they got engaged. Um, we saw a wee video of that happening. So congratulations again. And uh, just on behalf of the church, we wish you well for your future as you build your lives together. Sarah, are you 18 today? 19 today? 18. Okay, you know what that means. You're an adult now. And great responsibilities are laid upon your shoulders. Congratulations. On this very day, Mervyn will sing happy birthday to you tonight. All right, just Mervyn. And the rest of us will, will hum in the background. Thursday night is the midweek at 8 o'clock. And we've got a mission coming up, as you know, starting in two weeks, two weeks from today. So it'll be upon us very, very quickly. And we want to bring a mission preparation message. I want you all to be there. You're saved and love the Lord. You've got a concern for others to come to know Christ in this town. These missions are held for that purpose. We don't take over a school as we, we hope to. Uh, Dalriana School this year or some other premise, premises to just for the sake of it. We, we do it because we love the souls of men. We want the gospel to go out. We want the people to be hearing the word, and we want to be faithful to the Lord in light of the great day. Great day we're going to stand. Maybe God will speak to you tonight, even as we think of the subject that we want to preach on, and your heart might be stirred. Appropriately, <clears throat> we will pray for missionary work and for revival. We need revival. We need revival before this mission. Revival is you and me, dear Christian. Revival is not sinners being saved. It's, that's a result of revival. Revival is the church being set on fire. It's the church that the Spirit of God deals with. It's the church brought to, pr to prayer. It's the church going out to evangelize. It's the church living a holy life before their fellow men, walking obediently to the Lord. It's God doing a work of grace in you and me. So we want to really pray for revival, especially coming up to the mission. <coughs> Friday night is presbytery. And that will be in the Martyrs Memorial at 8 o'clock. We've been asked to, to put the open air off to the following week. So not this Saturday morning, but the following Saturday will be the open air in the center of the town. In the evening of Saturday, however, our back to Sunday school and church barbecue will take place. This has an emphasis, as you see, on the Sunday school, inviting parents and that to come, but it's also for you, the church, all of the families belonging to the church. It's just to bring us together as we commence a new term. And there's activities laid on for the children 
as usual, and there's something, of course, to eat because it is the church barbecue. Next Lord's Day begins with prayer <coughs> at 8 o'clock, and we omitted to have on the announcement this morning, but we've got it tonight. Sunday school starts back. It's the first Lord's Day of September, so Sunday school will be back at 10.30. Bible class will also be back, uh, so do remember that 15 minutes later at a quarter to 11. Worship service, 12 noon. We'll be here in the will of God to preach the word. And then our family night service at 7, Sandra Marshall will be giving her testimony. And we're also trying to bring in Greg there as he returns to college. There'll be a retiring offering in support of Greg as he goes back for his final year to the Whitfield College of the Bible. That'll be after the service next Sunday night. But Sandra's coming. This is the invitation. And we have printed cards. They're at the door. Please take them. Give them out between now and next Lord's Day evening to your family, to your friends. Invite them to come in. Monday, the 4th of September, that's tomorrow week, the Hebron Tots recommences at 10 o'clock. Please remember that. Remember the workers who are responsible for that as they seek to bring it all together, starting anew for this term. Then we have preparation for the mission. And not only this coming Thursday night, but Monday to Friday the following week, the 4th to the 8th, outreach nights and prayer meetings. We'll give you more details next Lord's Day. Gospel mission then is the 10th to the 24th of September, and it will take place in Dalriana School. We want to mention this again because it's a special testimony, and uh, our brother Courtney Bradley Harris, who has been a, a minister, a pastor for over 60 years. He was a German boy who had been placed into an orphanage to escape the Holocaust. His mother did that just to save his life, and it did. When the Germans, near the beginning of World War II, began to turn against the Jewish children that were in these orphanages, they had to flee for their lives. 10,000 children were involved in a scheme that was called kinder transport. And these were the kinder transport children that came to the United Kingdom. And Courtney was on the last train that brought these children to these islands. He's got a great testimony to give. He was just five at the time when he came to England. He was adopted into a Christian family. He got converted at the age of 15. And God called him to preach the word. And he's been doing that for over 60 years. He's almost 90, but he's still preaching. And in the will of God, he'll be with us that weekend and the evening service on the 15th of October, at 7 o'clock, he will give a personal word of testimony. We mentioned the shoebox appeal. We're glad that, that quite a lot of this uh, finance is coming in to, to fund giving 200 children uh, a present. It'll be before Christmas time in the month of October. In the will of God, there's a small group going out to Romania. We hope to give these out to 150 children in the Rekash School. Uh, it's a school for poor children and 50 children or thereabouts in Muldamanoa. And if we include the Deborah House children and the, the house parents' children, that'll be another 30. So if the finances there, we'll certainly do that. I want to thank those who have made contributions uh, or have promised contributions. Our tithes and offerings will now be brought in. It's the home mission outreach envelopes as we come to the last <clears throat> Lord's Day of the month. 
And as we receive the offerings for God's work, we're going to sing 341. Someday, we'll stand before the judgment bar. The quick, the risen dead, the Lord will then make known the record there. Our names will all be read. I wonder, will you be able to say, I'll be present when the roll is called? pure and spotless through the crimson flood. I will answer when they call my name saved through Jesus' blood. Will you be able to say that? If not, I trust before this meeting is through, you will, by the grace of God. Keep in our seats as the offering is received. Two passages of Scripture that we're going to read just now. Please open your Bibles if you have them with you. I trust you do. And first of all, to almost at the end of the Scriptures, Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to read the last five verses of the chapter 11 through to 15. And then we're going to come back to 2 Corinthians 5 and read a few verses from verse 6 through to 11. But first of all, Revelation chapter 20. (coughs) Verse 11, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, 
from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5. And just reading six verses together from verse 6. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Ending the reading at the 11th verse, we know that God will bless his work. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to your precious truth the book that God has given for our learning, our understanding, to be instructed, to be taught. Mary chose the better part when she sat at the feet of Jesus and she learned from him. Lord, we want that experience. We want to sit at the Savior's feet and we want to learn from him, from his word tonight because this is your word. And so speak to us. We believe you've spoken already through what we've read. Make it real. Make it live in our hearts. Lord, it is the living word. And so we pray that your truth will live within every heart this night. And do a work that's pleasing to God. May your word not return empty as you promised. Let it accomplish much for your glory this very night. To this end, help me to preach. I come in my weakness for the Lord to make me strong. I come in my ignorance for God to make me wise in the proclamation of the word. I come without strength that I might have power to proclaim your word tonight. So spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me and fall afresh on this people for Jesus' sake. Amen. And amen. We had it announced that we want to preach tonight on the great day of judgment and accountability. I want you to sit up, please. I want you to listen. For God has something to say to you. Fewer days could be counted more solemn. 
and fearful than that great awesome day when men shall be summoned to stand before the judge of all the world. Every one of us, without exception, will appear before the majestic, dazzling presence of Christ. And there's an old saying, might be worth mentioning at the beginning of this message tonight, today he is your savior, but then he will be your judge. And that comes from an old story that goes something like this. A young man was, was trapped in a collapsed building. He was seriously injured, and he was facing imminent death. He could do nothing to save himself from destruction. The man passing by saw what was happening, and somehow he was able to rescue that young man from the debris. He bound up his wounds, he administered the necessary treatment and sent him off to hospital. The young man recovered from his injuries, but sadly, he pursued a life of crime and became guilty of murder. He eventually was caught, was apprehended by the police, and they ended up in court. The evidence was presented, the case was judged, and the young man was found guilty. The judge was just about to pronounce the sentence of death when the young man recognized who it was, this man that was standing there as the judge that day. He was the same man who a number of years previously had rescued him from the collapsing building. He suddenly cried out, pleading for mercy, Judge, do you remember me? Do you recall that day when I was in great danger and you rescued me from certain death? Please rescue me now. Intervene and save my life. The judge with a heavy heart looked at the young man straight in the face. And he said, young man, then I was your savior. Today, I'm your judge. And you cannot fail to see the application. Today, the day of grace, the day of opportunity, Jesus Christ is your Savior. And he wears the garments of the Redeemer, the mediator. But one day that's going to change. On the great judgment day, then he will be your judge. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And I want you to know that every one of us will stand before the great judge one day in the courtroom of Almighty God. And the books are going to be opened, as we read tonight, and the judgment will begin, and eternal sentence will be passed. I believe personally there will be a twofold judgment, a two-stage judgment, if you like, the judgment of unconverted sinners at the great white throne that we've read about tonight in Revelation chapter 20, and the judgment of the saints at the judgment seat of Christ, as we call it. And that's how I want to treat this message tonight. I'm going to, just at these two points, I'm going to deal, first of all, with the judgment day for the ungodly. And I want you to sit up and listen. If you're not saving this meeting especially, sit up and listen. And then we'll deal with the, the judgment day for the believer when we come to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But come with me, first of all, 
to the first passage that I read, Revelation chapter 20, and sit up and listen. All you poor sinners in this meeting tonight, and you that are listening in on the internet at home, dead in your trespasses and in your sins, please sit up and listen. Pay attention to what God is saying in his holy word, because this could be you someday. If you repent not of your sin and seek Christ as your Savior, I want you to see Christ seated in majestic splendor upon the great white throne of judgment. It's the judgment day of the unbelievers. Sinners have been resurrected from their graves, from the land and the sea. Every particle of dust and ashes has come together into the original state of billions of bodies. The breath of life has been restored to those bodies, and to this great day of judgment, all have been called, and not one's missing. They're all present. Small and great is what we've read here. From the lowest, and those from the, the meanest estate of life to the highest and the most powerful upon the throne. And they're all standing before God. I want you to see the great throng. And my friends, they're standing there in silence because they've nothing to say. They've nothing to defend themselves with on that day of judgment. The mouth of the blasphemer is shut. The words of the vile and the profane man are silent. The atheist and the, the God-denier has not one word to say. And the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars are present. They must now give account. They must face judgment they must hear the unalterable, unquestionable, irrevocable verdict from the lips of a holy and divine judge. And please note with me, the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The statute books of heaven, God's records, God's infallible accounts, all the deeds, all the words, all the sins, all the blasphemies, all the wickedness, all the violations of the commandments of God, they're all in the books of God. And God has kept an account. And every sin that you've ever committed will be read from those books. And every sin as they read, they will march past you, and they will point the finger at you, and they will say, guilty, 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 because you're guilty of every one of them. All the sins are there. You'll have nothing to say because you'll know it's true. You'll have no argument, no defense, no debate. Sinners will be judged, and note carefully, out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The things that you did when you were here upon the earth Oh, be sure your sin will find you out. And what a dreadful day it's going to be. What a dreadful moment of reality and accountability when sinners will fall into the hands of the living God. 
What a moment of eternal solemnity when those who were not found written in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire. Does it not cause you concern tonight, dear sinner? You're not troubled even a little bit in your soul tonight about the judgment day. You're on ready. You're on prepared. You, you are still in your sin. You're without God. You're without Christ. You're without hope. You're without a refuge. You are without a covering for your sin. Does it not concern you tonight that that's your state? Out of Christ without a Savior. With no hope nor refuge nigh. Oh, clouds will gather, the hymn writer said, and storms will surround you. And he says, oh, to Christ for refuge, flee, because that's what you need to do. You need to turn from your sin. You need to get right with God. You need to prepare to meet your God. You need to flee to Christ, make haste to the cross, get underneath the covering of the blood of Jesus. It's the only place to be when you're facing divine judgment. The only place. Then, O oh, my Lord, prepare my soul for that blessed day. Oh, wash me in your precious blood. Take all my sin away. You need to get to that place, dear sinner, where you, where, where you pray a prayer like that. Where you're underneath the condemnation of God. The judgment day for the ungodly. Will that be you? A fearful day. Then there's another judgment. And it's the judgment day for the true believer. And we're talking here about those who have been genuinely converted to Christ, not the false professor. The world is filled with false professors. Our churches are filled with false professors who are unsound in the faith, who have never been washed, who have never been justified, who have never been redeemed by the blood of Christ. I'm referring tonight to those who are without doubt on the rock and they have built their eternal hopes upon the sure foundation, the only foundation. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No, dear child of God, there's a judgment day for you. It's a day of accountability when you will, will stand before the judge. And we've read about it tonight here in, in 2 Corinthians in the chapter 5, you're going to be called to account for your deeds. That's what the Holy Book tells us. You'll be judged for your works, in other words. Now, before I go any further, let me make something very clear. I want to stress that the only basis any man will be accepted, received, and enter heaven is through the finished work of Christ upon the cross. There's no other way, no other way of salvation. No other means of acceptance with God. Lord, through the blood of the Lamb that was slain, cleansing for me, cleansing for me. It's upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, upon another's life and death that I stake my whole eternity. I have no other argument. I have no other plea. It's Jesus alone. And if that's not what you're standing upon, if that's not your foundation, my friend, it will crumble forever. It's Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. And it's Jesus alone. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me, he said. Now, having said that, I want you to know that works follow salvation. And if they don't, you're not saved. The works do not save you, but they follow. There's a life to live. There's a God to glorify. Works do not save, but they certainly declare the reality of your conversion. They show us, ourselves, and other people around us that we are the Lord's. Isn't that what James taught, the great part of the epistle that he wrote? When he says, faith without works is dead. You say you've got faith, you haven't works. It's a dead faith. It's a non-existent faith. It's not real. It's not genuine. Study that passage in James. And let me just read a couple of verses from the second chapter, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You get that now? You haven't got works, your faith is dead. And James says, I'll show you that I belong to Christ. I, I have exercised true faith in him by the works that I bring forth in my life as a Christian. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works. And as a result, glorify our Father which is in heaven. You might also consider what we read in Titus and the chapter 2 and verse 7. In all things, showing thyself what? A pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech, and so forth. You might also think about what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. Having your conversation or your behavior honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they may speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Before the Gentiles, the unbelievers out there, You've got to show that you belong to the Lord. And they will, by your good works, they, they, they will see that you belong to Christ. It's the evidence that you're bringing forth. And they'll glorify God one day because of it. Peter says they're going to behold it. They're going to see it. Your good works. So it's important. It's upon the basis of these works that we will be judged and that we will be rewarded. And I just say in passing, there's two Interesting passages of Scripture. The first one is in 1 Corinthians in the chapter 3 and verse 11 through to verse 15. I'll read these verses with you quickly. You should know them. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, so the foundation is Christ. You've come to stand upon that foundation. You're genuinely saved because you're on him. And now you're building. You're building with materials that are so mentioned here. Gold, silver, precious stones, 
wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So there's the fire test. It's going to be applied to your works one day. You see the picture, the analogy that the apostle is drawing here. You're building with, with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. The gold, the silver, and the precious stones will pass through the fire test. But the wood and the hay and the stubble, if that's been part of what you're building with, will all be burned up. And then verse 14 says, If any man's work abide, and that's those that have built with the gold and the silver, the precious stones, if, if it abide which you have built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned up, that's the wood, hay, and stubble. Oh, all they'll be doing in life, this wood, hay, and stubble is going to be burned. He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. So it's the fire test. I'll come back to that. The other passage interesting that I've mentioned tonight are the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 25. I haven't time to, to read all the section that I would like to read, but they, they do mean a lot to us here in this church as we seek to labor for the Lord and do what Christ mentions in this passage of Scripture when you do it to the least person, you do it to Christ. You know that passage in Matthew 25 and particularly verse 31 onwards, it's the coming of the Lord and he's going to come with power and glory. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats, the sheep on the right side, the goats on the left. And he's, he's something to say, he's something to say to those on the right side, the sheep, the true people of God, for that's what the sheep represent. And the king says, come, ye blessed of my father. That's the word you, you want to hear? Come. You don't want to hear what those on the left are told, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You want to hear the word come on that day. And if you don't hear the word come, it's the word depart. Come, ye blessed of my father, and heard the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You remember when the Lord says, I was in hunger, you give me meat, I was thirsty, or you give me Meat, I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. Uh, and then the, the righteous, the redeemed of God, they say, when, when did we do this? And he says, when you did it to the least, you did it to me. And those are works. Works that follow true salvation. Works that are found in the true sheep of God. And this is the great judgment day. You ought to read it and study it and see what it says. And just before that, we have the parable of the talents before the parable of the sheep and the goats. The profitable servants who had traded with their talents, that is, their God-given gifts in the service of Christ, they had these words pronounced over them. Well done, good and faithful servant. And it has been rightly said, you can't expect the well done unless you do well. Doing well, that's your works, dear child of God. Well, let's come to our text here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. The apostle is addressing the believing church in the city of Corinth. He's reminding them of the life to come when we shall be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. And how that the true people of God are, are longing 
for the better life and glory, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And how that God's people in this whole world of sin, we labor that whether present or absent, and underline this little phrase, we may be accepted of him. Every day, dear believer, we should be living this way with our hopes set upon heaven and our hearts set upon being accepted, accepted by the dear Savior. And then Paul makes the great declaration of our text in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And the word for here gives us a reason why we should please the Lord. Why should we labor to please him? Because there's a day when we're going to stand before him and we're going to give him account of our lives. Paul reminds God's people that there's coming a day when we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there's no option for the Christian. There's no alternatives here. The word must shows us that. It's an imperative. We don't have a choice in the matter about appearing before the judgment seat of Christ or not. It is a must. As much of a must as you must be born again. You must be born again. You must stand before the Lord one day. The purpose of this appearance is to receive the things done in our bodies. According to that, we have done whether it be good or bad. You see that term, judgment seat? It's a Greek term that is used to describe a place of judgment for victorious athletes. It's the place where they receive the crowns. That's how, that's how it was used in, in Roman days. And this is where you will receive your crowns, dear child of God. It is here that every one of us, saved by the sovereign grace of God, will render our report to the Lord for everything that we have done in our lives. What a day. The judgment of others doesn't really count, you know, when it comes to this. Oh, you certainly want to have a good report given to you by the ungodly out there. You want the ungodly to evaluate your life as a child of God and be able to say, well, you know, if any man's a Christian, if any woman's a Christian, there they are. Because I see it in their life and they're living the life. And I know by their works that that they are a child of God. You want the ungodly to be able to testify to the reality of your salvation. And I think you want your family to be able to say the same. They're the ones that know you best, aren't they? If you want to know a man, ask his wife. If you want to know a woman, which is really like, ask her husband. If you want to know what parents are like, ask their children or their grandchildren. And they'll be able to tell you how they live in the home where they're most relaxed and at ease. And I think you want to have a good report in your family. I think that's important. I think it's also to have a good report before the elders of the church who one day will give an account. They will give an account as to their oversight of the congregation. And you want to be able to, 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 to have that account given by the elders of the church that, that you've been loyal and faithful and true to the Lord and you've walked with God 
You've been in the place of prayer. You've been there reaching out to the ungodly. Your life has just shone for the Lord. You want to have it in the context of the church, undoubtedly. However, in the greater perspective of things, those opinions don't count. Not when it comes to this day. It's Christ's judgment that that conclusively matters. He, that's Almighty God, who has known you through and through more intimately and personally than any other person in this whole wild world. God knows you. It's Christ's judgment that matters. He knows our every work. He knows our every thought, every thought of the mind and the heart, the, the, most, the most secret thing of our innermost being. He knows it. And he knows all the service that we've rendered to the Lord while here on the earth and the very attitude in which we have rendered that service because that's important too. Christ is the all-knowing. He's the all-seeing judge. He know, his knowledge penetrates into the, the deepest crevice of our hearts, and he knows us fully and completely. And it's Christ that will make the evaluation, and it's Christ that's going to give the verdict on this day. And we're going to receive, the Bible tells us here in this text, the things done in our bodies according to that we have done, whether it is good or bad. And that word receive just very simply means we get what is due. We will receive. We will get what is due to us. Christ will recompense Christians for the deeds done in their bodies, and they will receive their rewards at the judgment seat. Our reward will be according to what we have done. If you've done little, don't expect much reward. And if you've done out of wrong motives, don't be expecting much or a reward either. You note the words of the apostle when he says that everyone may receive the things done, done in his body according to that he has done. That's the works you see, what you've done. Gospel work is the most important child of God. Because it's the great work that Christ has given to this church. It's gospel work. Getting the gospel out to the lost and the dying and the perishing of this world. Church work. What you've done in the local context of, of the church and how you've served the Lord in the local body. You're going to give an account one day. Good works. All the good works that you've done. Works of kindness and love and charity. The judgment of the Christian will, will not be for sin. Now, why? Because Jesus has paid for all our sin upon the cross, past, present, and future. And we can boldly say with Romans 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And praise God we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of God's grace, Ephesians 1 and 7. Christ is, as 1 John 2 and 2 tells us, the propitiation for our sin. He's done it all. He's turned away the wrath of God from us by the means of His atoning sacrifice on the cross. 
our sin is dealt with forever. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It doesn't mean that we will not feel a sense of shame. I think we will feel a sense of shame on the judgment day. It doesn't mean that we'll wish that we'd given him more, because I think likewise we will Get, want to have given him more when we come to stand and when, when, our, when the deeds are read out and when we give the account. Maybe it's very little that we're going to say on that day. We'll hang our heads in shame and we'll say, Lord, I, I wish that I'd done more. But the point I'm making is our sin will not condemn us. Our sin will not judge us in the sense of eternal condemnation because it finds its answer in Christ. Paul says that we will receive from Christ according to that which we have done, whether it be good or bad. You see the word bad there, it does not imply sinfulness. It implies worthlessness. And I hope you see the difference. There are many worthless things that we've done useless things that we've done, vain things, empty things that we've done. These are not rewardable. You're not going to be rewarded for your worthless things. Christ will only reward our obedience, our good works, our service that's done for him. And so you want to consider what we read earlier, don't you? From 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10. I want to think about the, the, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, the wood, hay, and the stubble, and you want to examine what you're doing, what you're doing for the Lord, what works you're involved in every day, not just Sundays, every day of your life you're building, building upon the foundation, if you're on the foundation at all. And if you're on the foundation of Christ, the only foundation, there, there's a building work that's going on. Some of the things that we do for the Lord are like the gold, the silver, the precious stones. Some of the things that we do, quite honestly, are just like the wood hen stubble. They're, they're all going to be burned up. But if you're on the foundation and you're genuinely saved, you will be saved on that day so as by fire when the fire test is applied. Somebody has said it is possible to, ha to have a saved soul and a wasted life. I want to think about that. I'm sure you do. A saved soul. And yet a life that's been wasted. I wonder how it is tonight. All the wood. And the hay. And the stubble. Burned up. Some professing Christians will get to heaven thinking that they have done great things for God and you know they're going to find out at the judgment seat of Christ that really what they did was nothing. What they did was wood, hay and stubble. So I'm saying to God's people tonight, labor, labor. By the grace of God and as intently as you can for the well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Labor tonight to be accepted of him. That's what the apostle 
says, the language that he uses here. Labor for treasures in heaven, because that's treasures of worth. Labor for the good things done in the body while you live here. Labor with eternity's values in view every day. Two judgments, the ungodly and that of the believer. And I finish by asking the question, where do you stand tonight? Or should I say, where will you stand on that great day? The judgment of the ungodly because you're not saved. At the great white throne, before the majestic presence of Christ, to hear from him, depart from me. Cast out into what the Bible calls the lake of fire forever, the second death. Or the Christ's judgment seat to receive the rewards for the things that you've done for his glory as you've been building on the foundation since the day of conversion. How's it going to be with you? At what judgment will you stand? Great white throne, the judgment seat of Christ. Maybe changes need to be made. You're not saved tonight. You need to make the greatest change of your life. You need to get to Christ and you need to be saved. You need to get on to the foundation. Maybe as a Christian you haven't been living right and the works that you've been involved in are worthless and useless. The wood, hay and the stubble that are going to be burned up one day. It's time to build something of worth for the glory of God with the gold, the silver and the precious stones. Let's all pray together. I believe the Lord has spoken tonight. He's spoken to my heart as I prepared this message earlier in the week. I trust and pray he's spoken to you also. And so now it's between you and God. Preaching is just expounding and explaining God's word. And that's what we've sought to do tonight by God's grace. We've set it before you. Now you, you're with God right now. You're before God to make whatever decisions, whatever changes that need to be made. Oh, act upon the word. Don't be a hearer only, but be a doer of the word. Obey the Lord in the word tonight. Whatever needs to be done. Maybe somebody not saved. You need to get right with God. You need to get onto the foundation. Or some child of God, whatever changes need to be made. Make them. Make them now in the presence of God, before God. Heavenly Father, bless your word. It is your word. You've spoken to our hearts loudly from Revelation and also from Corinthians. Help us now, by your grace, to act upon it and to do what God would have us to do and to obey him in the word. Write it indelibly upon every mind and heart for Jesus' sake. Amen. And as always, we're here to help, to help you as much as we can. And if you need to talk to us, we're here to talk to you. But more importantly, you need to go and talk to the Lord. I'm just a guide. I'm just a signpost, as I say. Don't go away without the Lord. Settle the matter. When Jesus comes to reward his servants, whether it be noon or night, faithful to him, Will he find us watching 
with our lamps all trimmed and bright. Oh, can we sing? We are ready, brothers. Are you ready? We'll sing a couple of verses of the hymn as we close this evening. Let me read the last two verses. We can do that quicker than singing. Have we been true to the trust he left us? Do we seek to do our best? If in our hearts there is not condemn us, we shall have a glorious rest. Blessed are those whom the Lord finds watching. In his glory they shall share. If he shall come at the dawn or midnight, will he find us watching there? Heavenly Father, Continue to add your blessing to the preaching of your word and take these passages of scripture and make them real and live in our hearts as we pray. Dismiss us now in your fear and love for Jesus' sake. Amen.